0: What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Goen. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta. And today, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Panella. What's up, guys?
1: It's Matt Panella, carpenter and YouTuber based out of Central California. It's been a minute since we dropped a podcast, so I'm, I'm glad you're still here.
0: Today, uh, we're gonna be jumping in with a friend of mine, Hugh Seaton. He's a head of product at CSI Crosswalk a podcaster that talks about all things construction technology, and today he's going to be our tech mentor, and he's going to be setting the stage for what's going on in construction with all this technology stuff. Hugh, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: I'm really excited for this podcast, man. You're going to set the stage for us, debunk some misconceptions, and just geek out.
2: I can geek out. (laughs) <laughs> yes,
0: you can. I'm just
1: hoping I can keep up. I'm kind of behind in the times when it comes to technology.
2: That's what we're here for.
1: There we go.
0: Hey, yeah. man, you do YouTube. You you shoot stuff, right. so you, you can keep up.
2: All the Twitters.
0: Yeah. All the Twitters. All, all the Tweeters. We're good. <laughs> Hugh, just for the, the sake of the audience, if you could just do a, a quick brief insight to who you are and what you do, and we'll uh, jump into the meat of things.
2: Yeah, I've been in technology for longer than I want to admit been involved in construction technology for about 10 years, starting of all places in China with a friend of mine. Um, that's kind of grown as a passion and as a thing that I've, I've built some products. I sold a company. I've done some this, done some that. I joined Crosswalk, um, I, kind of the CSI team to run Crosswalk uh, about four months ago. Um, along the way, I wrote a book called The Construction Technology Handbook, which is really aimed at Construction professionals who are really, really good at what they do, but don't want to spend a ton of time learning about tech um, to kind of bring them up to speed and, and you know, teach them the concepts in a, in a kind of even normal speaking way. <laughs> um, I also do a podcast that you mentioned. And then once a quarter, I, I, I try to kind of break down what's going on in the industry and get past some of the big McKinsey myths.
0: And your uh, your podcast is Construction Constructed futures, excuse me. And that's, that's primarily right. just everything, construction technology, right?
2: That's right.
1: And then for the people listening that maybe don't know, what is, what is CSI Crosswalk?
2: So there's a couple of standards that have been around for a long, long time. Master format, a lot of people will be familiar with. And if you've done estimating, you'll be familiar with um, Uniformat. And then there's a newer one called Omniclass, which includes those two and does a bunch of other stuff, especially for folks that work in BIM. So, you know, they've been around for a long time and they update them periodically, but about a year ago, they launched a a way of serving those um, standards into other software via an API, which is an application programming interface. What that means is other people's software can really easily not only get these standards, you know, the most updated version, but translate from old versions and translate across versions. In fact, the name crosswalk means it's it's an old term of art going from one standard to another. So if you've got something in classified in, in, in master format, it'll tell you how to translate it into a, uh, a uniformat format uh, code. Okay.
1: All right, so let, let's get diving on in. Um, construction tech, something that I think really needs to be talked about. Uh, something a lot of people lack in So technology in the construction industry is picking up some steam. There are project management apps. I use takeoff softwares, uh, virtual reality, which I've also tried insane. Uh, I think that's something that's awesome because most homeowners and people getting things built from don't have the visual that they need. So that I think is awesome. Can't wait to talk about that. There's a lot of funding going towards solutions that can make construction companies more money and make people in the field more productive. So if you were to set the stage of construction technology, where are we at? And why is construction technology so important right now?
2: So I think this construction is just the next industry that is kind of going through digital transformation. And it's important to keep in mind that that software can't do what people can do. It 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 can make the job of people easier. It can do some of the lower level repetitive stuff that people do. It can remember things better than people. So it's a good place to deal with documents and things like that. So, so the, the reason why you're seeing this is, um, again, the, the amount of value that was unlocked when this happened in manufacturing and in um, advertising and, you know, honestly, a number of different industries is huge. And and this is such a big industry. The idea is you don't have to even, you don't even have to convert that much into va- into another form of value to create a lot, if that makes sense. So the idea is, that if you've got, you know, if 1% of, of, uh, of the, the entire industry is spent on IT, which the Deloitte study implied that, I'll be honest with you, I'm not so sure about that number, but if it's even close, right, you're talking about $100, million, $100 billion, is that right? $10 billion, excuse me. Um, yeah, God, math on the fly. Um, so you're, you're talking about enormous amounts of money that, that could be that are where you are now and where it could grow to is, you know, 10X that. That's what's happened in other industries. So that's kind of a wonky way of saying, we know that the industry is going to take some things that are paper-based and some things that are kind of person to person and make them into digital processes. You already mentioned some things that you're doing. When that happens, it tends to mean that, that people are freed up to do more of certain things. It means you make different. You can look at things differently. A great example of that is, I know a number of, of contractors that that bid a lot better than they used to. So their hit rates are higher. So their waste rates are lower. So think about how many times you bid for something and you blow all this time doing it and and you don't win. Or yeah. even worse, you win something and you don't make money on it. So so you know that's what data and software are, are better at than your own memory because you tend to remember things that are recent better and things that are awful better. <laughs> and things that are awesome better. So that's, you're seeing some real wins when it comes to that. Still a long way to go and we don't really know everything that's where it's all gonna go. But but there tends to be a lot of value created when you, when you take paper and human processes and make some of them digital.
1: Do you think people are hesitant to try the new technology just because they don't know it? Or, or what is it that, why, why aren't people so eager to get into say takeoff softwares or project management apps? I've tried a few of them and I I personally love it, but I know a lot of people that don't.
2: Yeah, I think there's a it's a complex story. And I think the 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 idea that that people in construction are less likely to adopt technology compared to who? You know, compared to Facebook, I gotta be honest with you. You go to someone at Facebook and say, I want you to switch the tool you use to draw, they're gonna be pretty slow to do it too. Yeah. So so I do think I think there's this misconception that that cons- that folks in construction are slower because they don't work at an office and they're not in front of a desk that, that they're automatically slower to adopt new technology I do think there's a few things one is people want to want to get the job done well and quickly and safely so when you're messing around with what they they settled in and, and that's this is how I do what I do it, it isn't just being slow and it isn't being you got to be honest with with the, the reality that people have a lot going on and there's, they're worried about the other people on the job. They're worried about things breaking all, all the, all stuff that goes into really building something to have to introduce a new variable there. It needs to be a hell of a lot better, right? I think there's a generational thing for sure. I think that, that folks that grew up with I, iPhones and, and, you know, have, are going to be quicker and more comfortable with new technology, I agree. but at the same time, you know, you got it's gotta be a lot better before someone's going to introduce a new variable a new a new a new way to to be risky you know the other side is nobody in the world uses drones like construction does so so you could argue that that if something really is a hit people are going to be all over it and it's i think drones do something you just can't do any other way that's the other thing
1: unless you own a helicopter i, I agree with that's you right. completely right. I
2: really like or really like trees
1: i would really like a helicopter that's
2: right <laughs>
0: No, he, you yep. bring up a really good point. I think there there is a very big misconception that you know people in construction aren't tech savvy. It's the I think the threshold for great products is just a lot higher for construction because you are dealing with, and especially when you're talking about people in the field like hanging off the side of buildings. It's a safety thing, right? They're not going to just like plug in data because you want them to on the job site so that you can collect information. It has to truly add value, um, and it's also like a safety concern, but. Uh, you know, from what I've seen is, uh, these people are tech savvy if it doesn't disrupt them in what they're doing on the job site. And if it adds value to them, uh, it's just what I've seen. And they're more than happy to adopt products. If, if, if it adds value and it's like, it doesn't block them from doing their job. I was talking to someone the other day and, you know, she brought up, uh, she was asking, uh, one of their Tylers to take photos and document all this stuff. And his reply was, I'm a, tyler not a fucking photographer i mean that's word for word but you then again we have to realize that you know we're either disrupting a process for what they're trying to build or adding value. so i mean the threshold is just a lot higher for products that need to exist in construction versus probably a lot of other industries
2: i would also say who's paying them to spend that two hours to 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 noodle around and figure out how to make it work the way they need to Mm mm-hmm You know, like, like that's a, that's a process. Somebody has to say that, I mean, this is worth investing. And, and some people, some companies do bigger companies have the ability to do that. Uh, Not everybody does, you know, I mean, you're seeing in, in larger GCs for sure. um, And I think some of the larger trade contractors as well, an innovation team that, that has a learning component, as well as going out and figuring out what tech's out there and trying to do pilots and all that. So they, you know, one or two, and they have like almost a budget of how much they're going to onboard a year, like one thing a quarter or something like that, Yeah, which can be a little tiring too. But but at the same time, people get, you get a little used to it. Um, mm-hmm. So so it's it's really important to understand that somebody is paying for the, the effort to learn this thing. And it's either the individual, in which case they get less sleep because they certainly can't stop the job, um, or it's the company who says, we're going to invest in you and we're going to invest in this. And I, you see a lot of both.
0: Yeah, one one thing that I want to ask you there is, uh, you know, around budgets and the adoption of technology. Who's paying them to learn it and everything? Uh, one thing that you talk a lot about is kind of like the misconception of uh, what software and technologies are selling to these larger companies. Like, there's a bigger misconception that construction is this massive industry. Yes, it is, but you know, the top people that have thousands of employees that are adopting this technology and can pay for it and have the budget to do so. Uh, it's much smaller pool than the vast majority of construction companies i think what was it in your construction technology you stated like 85 or 90 percent of uh businesses in construction have less than 50 employees is that correct that's that's or, about right. yeah about no, right yeah. that's
2: about right yeah but i think it's 90 percent are under 50 um mm-hmm. and and it gets it gets like 98 percent is under a hundred or something like that. I I may, I may have it wrong. It's been a little bit, but the point is that that there are, there are, uh, there are about 20,000 that are over a hundred out of, out of Mm 730,000 roughly companies. There's about 20,000 of them that are, that are over, I believe it's over a hundred people.
1: I would have never suspected those numbers at all.
2: It's it's, the funny thing is 20,000, still a lot of companies. That's a lot of companies. That have over, that have hundred people. It also means that the industry has a structure of uh, a huge pool of freelancers, and the only reason yeah. they're called companies is because that's that's the way you you know, you organize an LLC to make sure you, you have to through.
1: structure yeah. it that way. That's
2: right. That's right. So I think you know, and and so when we say there's 730 companies, eh, you know, okay, it's really more like 730,000. It's really more like maybe 60,000 companies. And, and a know, bunch
1: of individuals trying to do yeah, it legally. Yeah, that fair, make that fair. makes sense.
0: Uh, one thing that I want to bring up and talk to you about, Hugh, is uh, you know this is one thing that both Matt and I care a lot about. But the the labor shortage is the reason why you know Hammer exists, and Matt is very driven to bring in this next generation and everything. But uh, I was watching your construction technology quarterly presentation on YouTube. I, I I caught it after, and you made a really interesting point about the labor shortage you basically summarize that there will always be a labor shortage because there just aren't enough people like generation X, uh, coming in to replace boomers over the next 10 years that are retiring. What advancements are you seeing right now that will not only help with the labor shortage, but you know, help people on the job site become more productive or just make their life and their work easier.
2: There's a, that's a huge question and let's break it into some pieces here. The first one is, um, deployment of resources. So I think we're getting better at, at, at scheduling crews and just just scheduling people. Um, individually people may feel like they're running from one, one thing to another, but when you look at, at, at companies in aggregate, often there's people that are 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 not working as you know much as they might. So just being able to, to deploy resources better is, is huge. Um, that's that doesn't sound very technical, but that's what software can be good at. Is it's just it's a little it's faster and it's easier to change and you can communicate it quicker than than paper. Um, but also you can start to calculate and realize that that Breck is better at certain things than Hugh is, right? So let's have Breck on this kind of job and Hugh on that kind of job. Um, that stuff is coming. The, the really understanding who's better at what is is a is a bit of a data thing and it you know you, you need to have worked with someone for a while, but you're going to start to see things like that. Um, so that's one, is just deploying resources and, and and you know, making sure that people have both rest and have the ability and, and are used as, you know, are, are, are employed as much as they want to be. The interesting thing, there's a guy from, from Suffolk Construction, he was their first innovation officer, a guy named Chris Mayer. I talked to him a couple months ago. He said something really interesting. He said, look, a lot of technology right now is focused on supporting people putting work in place, but almost none of it is right there in someone's hand. And I think that's a big opportunity. I wish we saw more of, where you're helping people actually put work in place, whether it's the tools, whether it's the tools themselves, adding some 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 suggestions or intelligence. Um, you know, maybe you don't have to keep setting something. You know what I mean? Like there's there's I know people have. have played around with some tools that will remember your settings or you can have a few settings for different t- types of material and so on mm-hmm. all of that just it doesn't in any way replace what the innovation creativity and experience of a of a tradesperson. what it does is it means they don't have to mess around with some of the settings as much you, you see what i mean so i think you're going to find that that things that that add some productivity um they'll probably help around the edges but aren't going to really replace a whole person um, I think the, the work itself is going to have to get kind of reorganized a little bit. Um, and, and by that, I mean, there's just, I, there isn't a lot of certainly software that's going to make up for a whole whole other person. So if we're short of people, if you need five pipe fitters, and you can only find four that are at the, at the standard you need, there's no software out there. And I can't really imagine software that's going to be able to replace a whole person. Right. You're going to have to reorganize how the work gets done. Either some of it gets done off site. So you don't need quite so many hands on deck. Um, You can maybe dumb down some of what would be, I I don't want to say dumb down, but, you know, kind of one of the things I even talked about in that quarterly is I think we're going to get good at separating out the stuff that needs a master kind of, you know, really high level and stuff that, that is prep work that someone who's earlier on, they already do that, but I think it'll become more critical. And I think you'll organize things differently so that you can have less skilled labor involved. I think and also.
1: We, oh, sorry. Go go ahead. You're good. No, I
2: was I was on a I was on a rant. I,
1: I think when when you're able to put people where they need to be, where they shine, and where they do their best work, that you're able to do a lot more work than if you just have anyone and everyone on that task. Like we we personally we own a very small operation, but we have set person for doing this, set person for doing that, and. Everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And we have it set up that way because they're good at what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. not because that's what we want them to do, but that's where they shine. And that's how we're able to do as much as we possibly can, even while running a small operation. So I like that. Um, regarding tech, though, um, the whole being able to remember things, we're, we're only human. I forget all sorts of shit all, all the time. So being able to have really anything that could remind you of such like I, I got a notification at, at six o'clock that we had a podcast at 6 30 and had I not got that notification, I probably wouldn't be here right now. So even stuff <laughs> for like, showing up, Matt. <laughs> oh you're, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I'm only here because of that notification. But like little, <laughs> little stuff like that. I've missed meetings. I've shown up late to different things. I, I don't know how much that would help in the actual, scope of whatever you're doing say like framing for me but in general tech has helped me evolve our company in more ways than i ever freaking imagined we haven't signed a contract in person in over a year now granted we were late to the whole docu sign game everything is done on a phone or on an ipad and then project management i keep track of everything on my phone there's nothing that gets communicated via we don't we don't talk via email we've we've got apps for this we take care of everything like that. So I think I, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to do it with employees like we were just talking about. But the, the more they can bring to anybody and everybody in the trades, the better off they'll be because we have we have young that they don't remember shit. And if they had an app on their phone, which everybody has a phone these days, we could make people a lot more valuable.
2: You're right. And I, I, that speaks to what software is good at versus what humans are good at. Software can't solve real problems. It can do calculations. It can do math. But it, it sure as
1: hell can remember. Well,
2: that's right. That's right. And it'll remember. It, it'll never forget. And it'll, you just have to remember how narrow it is. Yeah. Right? Like, like expecting software. The problem we have, this is the issue with AI. Is everybody compares AI to humans, which is the wrong way to think about it. AI is just better software. It's not, it's not an almost human. It's a better, better than software, if that makes sense. So anyone that's, if you we used to play around with different speech recognition, that wasn't really AI. It was, it's not important what it was. And it was clunky and crappy. As soon as they got deep learning in there, well, not as soon, it took a little while, but, but when they got deep learning and working well, it's incredible. It can, it can, you can slur, you can speak with an accent and it's, you know, pretty good. Um, so I think, I think you're going to find that, that, when you're when you're asking software to do the things that he, the human mind isn't isn't great at which is mem- remembering things and um, especially kind of biases where we, we remember recent things and we remember you know exciting yeah. things but that's not that's not that's not a trend that's not that's not a pattern that's just stuff that happened so that's another thing that's really good is it, it, you can you can kind of step back and let the software describe for you what has happened based on a bunch of data points over time you make better decisions that way
0: Yeah. And I, I I like the, I like the point that you bring up being more resourceful with our our labor pool. Cause again, you, you brought up and it's well known now that the incoming generation is not going to be as big as the boomers. And so there's going to be a constant shortage there. So we need to be more resourceful with the labor pool and putting them in the right position so that we're effective. We're not just filling bodies on a job. You're not
1: not just putting somebody out there to do anything and everything. they they're there for a reason. Well, we're, de- we're definitely going to run into a shortage. I, I think it's coming sooner than people think.
2: Um, well, according, you know, according to the census, we had a, a 300,000 person in terms of open, uh, open jobs right before COVID. And that's when there is the largest 25 to 29 gener- uh, kind of cohort of people that there ever will be again. Oh, so, wow. so the you know, well, the thing is that, so we have the most people likely to enter the industry. If you assume that people don't enter when they're 18, but they wait, you, that's what I hear for most of the years.
1: That's how most of it goes. They try something that's else right. and then they fall into it.
2: Yeah. And you're maybe at 18, you're maybe not quite mature enough to, to, you know, to, to do some of the things that need to get done, like get up early. Um, but, you know, stay wh- off your phone. It, yeah, I, <laughs> I could
1: go on. We'll, we'll keep on rolling.
2: But so the, 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 the reason I say ever is because um, com- c- countries are not having enough kids, period. E- every developed country and most developing countries has stopped having enough kids. So the way you measure that is 2.1 kids per woman. You, you measure it per woman because women have the actual kids. Um, so, and everybody's below 2.1, except for some crazy weird little examples like Israel has a thing that's not worth getting into. Um, there and they're small enough that it doesn't matter anyway other than sub-saharan africa the whole world is under 2.1 so so it's not just oh, us and i
1: fell into it, a statistic i have two and a dog i
2: mean <laughs> that's go gotta man. count for that's something right. and, I, and i love i love that dog <laughs> <laughs> that's um, so crazy. anyway that's why that's why i say that that You know, efforts like what you're doing to recruit people and change the narrative that look, this is a great job and you can have a six figure salary, you know, in your in your early 20s or certainly your mid 20s and you can, you know, not have a quarter million dollars in in uh, in in student debt and all the reasons for going in that's absolutely necessary absolutely critical. It's not going to solve the problem all the way it's just going to make it better. And it also means the people that, that choose to come in here will come in a little more enthusiastically and, and maybe be a little more willing to, you know, kind of grind it a little bit in the beginning.
1: They know what they're after a bit more. See, that,
0: that's the that's the part that I get excited about. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Matt. Uh, but that's the part that I get excited about for construction technology is, you know, we have this stigma around construction, right? It's outdated, it's boring, uh, it's graying of the industry. But I, I do think you know, uh, one, the college debt thing is a massive, uh, problem in the industry. And it's like, Hey, you can avoid that by going into the trades and then look at all of these advancements. That's probably going to make your life and job a lot easier and a hell of a lot more attractive. Um, but I think that's one of the most, uh, things that I'm enthusiastic about is the, the integration of software and technology, because it's going to change a lot of things, but it's also going to make it a lot more attractive to people coming in because you know, when we, my generation and people below me, they're growing up in the information era. They're growing up with the mobile devices. They want to use those things that empower them too. Yeah.
2: I think you're right. And, and not only that, there, there's some things about building something that, that nothing else can do. Like, like you know, Matt, I think you spend a lot of time building homes. So, so Mm -hmm. you're building somebody's memories. You're building the, the, the place where they're going to live. And that's, I'm sure you're not thinking of that when you're pouring concrete and, and banging wood, as I understand is important to you. Um, but, but at the end of the day, when you think about what you're doing with your life and how you spend your time, you know, on a Sunday night or whatever, it's like, this isn't so bad. I've, I've actually talked to a lot of folks that are, um a little bit more on the on the superintendent side and what are you proud of what what do you like about this job and almost all of them say at some point i've driven past the building i built and pointed it out to my kids like that's cool yeah you know, it's absolutely. hard to do that with a, it's hard to do that with a spreadsheet it's hard to do that with with a lot of other things but you can say that 70 story building or those those that development of houses over there i i built that that's pretty cool
0: yeah yeah no my dad still does it today really Absolutely, man. So
1: Absolutely. I, I have this one project I drive past. We we commute down south to hang out with family all the time. Um, I point to the same exact project and my, my wife and kids hate it and yeah. <laughs> tell them, I don't know if you guys know this, but I built that place.
0: Yeah. And it, we know every Dad. single time, it, it's probably
1: <laughs> yeah. twice a week, but I, I make a point of doing it. Um, no, it, it's super satisfying. Um, doing what I do, considering I film a lot of the things I really take pride in watching someone's house go up. But somebody that just goes to work, bangs nails and does their thing. I don't think they think of it so much because even our own employees, I've asked them, like, how rad do you think this is? Like the homeowners here, they are so stoked on what they've got. And they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. But like, I don't think a lot of people think like that. So once you can understand, like you're building someone's dream right now, this is everything they've ever wanted. It is so fulfilling, something that you can't get elsewhere.
0: Right. I was uh, I was recently reading a report. I believe Home Advisor did it, but they w- they were trying to gauge these.
1: How dare uh, you reference Home Advisor right now?
0: We we can cut that if we need to. Um, we'll leave it. But
1: don't but, shop uh, with Home Advisor. So, so
0: so the point is, we're not doing a plug here. No,
2: the we're point not. Is clearly, they clearly not.
0: They did they did a study. They did a study on job satisfaction in construction, and I was extremely surprised to see that. 60% of people in the trades were very satisfied with their job. You know, how and cool the,
1: this?
0: I'm not done yet. The other 20% is somewhat satisfied. That's 80% or over 80% of people in construction are satisfied with the work that they do because they get a stand back each and every day and say, yeah, I built that. And that's probably one of the most fulfilling things. I know for a fact, those bridge carpenters that we talk a lot about, Matt, Those guys hanging off the bridges in San Diego building the 905. They get to look back and say, like, hell yeah, I built that. Dude, I I can't even compare with that. I've never been in commercial.
1: I haven't either. But
0: that's probably one hell of a thing to say.
1: I flew a roof in today. And as soon as that roof was on and everything was done, it was a stressful three hours of the crane. But we all got down. We We were eating biscuits and gravy on the tailgate. And we sat there looking at this thing. And it was like four weeks ago that was dirt. There was no foundation, nothing. It's insane to think about the fact that now there is this building that you could damn near live in that we
0: built. I've never
1: built a bridge, though. but
0: I don't know if I'm going to try. I'd probably die. Uh, I'll keep it to those guys, though. Uh, Hugh, one thing that I'd like you to cover is, uh, again, you brought this up in your your uh, quarterly presentation, but I thought it was really interesting, compressing the time it takes to become ready for the trades. I think this is super important because we need to get people into the industry working quicker than ever, right, with the labor mm-hmm. shortage. Uh, we not only need the later, labor, but we need them trained up and ready to go. Uh, what types, are, types of things are you seeing that are helping people get field ready quicker?
2: Um, seeing uh, unions have tried everything. Um, I, I know that the MCA and the UA in Chicago probably better than anywhere else. Um, and and they've, they've done amazing things in terms of building whole mechanical rooms that you can tear up and weld in and all that stuff. Um, you know, training people on things like Revit. They were pretty early at that and they're really good at it now. They've got like, I don't even know how many instructors but they, they're big enough that they like rank them almost. Um, but also they've, they've done everything like experiment with virtual reality. Um, I think they do certain things there. Um, The tech is getting better. And so I think there's a couple of things. You need to separate out what you're teaching somebody. There's ideas that you can teach them when they don't have a tool in their hand. And then there's the fiddly reality of real stuff that you kind of need to have a tool in your hand for. You know what I mean? Like, like, Mm -hmm. I remember a while ago, there was somebody who was talking about how augmented reality could kind of overlay the job and show you exactly what to do. And I remember mentioning to somebody, God, couldn't you just get a robot to do it? And, and they said, look, trying to get a robot to actually handle materials is, is so much harder than you think it is. Um, it just to, to turn a screw the just the right amount so it's snug, to, to hold something and move it the right way. And there's just way more judgment in this than we we take for granted because humans are incredibly good at that. We just, what we find with, with, I'll go off in robotics for one second, mm-hmm. we'll come back to it again, I'm sure. But we, we find that, that, um, that we absolutely underestimate. Every time we try to build something that, that humans do, we realize how incredibly powerful the human brain is, especially the kind of visual side and, and the spatial understanding and all that. Trying to get a, a machine to do that is we don't even know how to do it. It isn't a matter of more data, more, we just don't know how to do it at, at the scale that a human can do it which is why we don't have cars driving, you know, autonomous driving yet. It's a way harder problem than people thought it was. It's still gonna come, it's still gonna happen. Um, but it's, it's years behind what they thought it would be. Um, so back to your, your, your question about kind of compressing the time. That was as much me saying that this needs to happen as me saying it is happening. The problem is some organized group has to do it. And unions are one way to do that. Um, not every, 90% of people in most trades aren't in a union. So you know, then it's down to trade schools and and other kind of because an individual isn't going to write their own curriculum and isn't going to make sure that they did a good job. Someone's got to organize and do that. So I think that 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 you know trade schools are there's going to be more need for it. Um, But I think also you can get a lot done in VR that helps you with understanding the space you're in and understanding safety and understanding some of those other things. But at the end of the day actually putting work in place, you kind of got to be putting work in place, I think. We've just yeah. found this with too many too many things, even outside of construction, that you can show somebody what to do uh, and you can really, really make it, you know, again, we used to say with VR, I don't want someone learning where the buttons are when they when they have a live machine. I, I want them to know what they're doing and what they're, you know what I mean, know where the stuff is. <laughs> you can do that in VR and, and that's great. But at the end, this is true for manufacturing. I mean, we've, I've done a fair amount with manufacturing somebody has to train someone on the machine, but they're expensive. So you wanna do that as little as possible. The same thing's true with, with folks in, that are learning a trade is you can learn a lot about the space and about how to put things together and what goes where, um, things that are really hard to learn on, on a piece of paper um, and, and, and you know, really improve somebody quickly. But again, I, I think at the end of the day, people have to have tools in their hands to, to be fully competent
0: yeah I mean that's the, that's the biggest pushback, right? is the the, I, the idea that trades can only learn with tools in the hand. I think that's definitely true to a certain extent, but like you alluded to for the VR helping them understand the space, not necessarily like trying to teach them how to swing a hammer per se. Not
2: every yeah, and so it's it's kind of like they, they will often say there's there's stuff that you can tell and stuff that you can't tell. And the mm-hmm. stuff about the job that you can tell, that you could write down that you can, that you can teach without having a tool in your hand. And that's a lot, Yeah, right? That's, that's regulations. That's process. That's, you know, that's what tools work. That's, there's a lot you can learn that you don't need a tool in your hand. And that's where either e-learning or or virtual reality or something like that can help. I was just about
1: to chime in on that because you can learn quite a bit. There, there is definitely things that you need the hands-on experience. You need the tools in your hand, but there is so much more like, Think of plan reading, for instance, like I know you have to have the the actual here's what you're building. Here's the detail in person. You can learn a lot about understanding the plans. This detail means this, a wall assembly, call outs. There's so many different things you could learn to be prepared on a job site before you even step foot on a job site. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you're not going to learn how to use a saw on YouTube, but you can definitely learn how to read a set of plans maybe not to the extent where you're ready to run projects, but to the extent where you understand what callouts are and structural details and how to scale things. So I, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that. You have to have hands on you do for some things, but there's so much that can be learned online.
2: Yeah. And so an example of, of that, I, I, for a while there, I was watching um, YouTube videos of industrial disasters, usually something chemical related. Right. And, and these are these are really boring videos. They're, they're made by the, the, the safety team, not boring, but but they're you know they're recreated. But the, re, the the value of watching these things is you realize how really mundane safety measures, why they why they do what they do. Right. So like there was one I remember that was for a, a refinery <clears throat> and they hadn't checked. A valve in in the, the period of time they were supposed to like you know it's supposed to be every six months and they hadn't for like three years and the valve rusted and it allowed um oxygen back in so the, <clears throat> the whole thing about refineries is controlling where oxygen is because most of what you're doing is flammable so when you want to do stuff with it you get it really hot with no oxygen around and it breaks up into different things so there's lots of stuff that would blow up if it had oxygen so that again that one little thing that's they they hadn't checked in time and, and they didn't think it would get rusty but it did for whatever reason and oxygen got back into the wrong thing and it killed three people and the the value of that is it's it's not a thing that you mm-hmm. that you're going to even learn with a tool in your hands is the sensitivity that that you know leaving a leaving a tool on the top of something yeah right like like Logic will tell you not to do that, but but until you hear a story of it falling on someone's head or something, it doesn't have the emotional impact that it might. So you can watch a bunch of videos and say, "Yeah, I get it, man. I I I, I understand. I can imagine how that's an issue." So I, I think like we both are kind of agreeing. There's a lot you could learn without needing an expensive resource like a senior person to show you. So that when you do have the senior person, they're teaching you hard stuff that only a human could teach you.
1: I I talk to people about this quite a bit. I actually made a post about it recently. Um, I get a lot of messages from people telling me they're ready to quit their job because their boss isn't showing them every single thing they want to learn. But they're also not trying to learn after 3.30 when they're off work. And in my opinion, if you want to invest in yourself and move further along in the trade, make more money, be more valuable, you have to become an asset. And by doing that, that means you might have to learn something on the side. Um, Me personally, I've learned quite a bit scrolling through forums or YouTube, but a lot of these people want it on the job and on the job only. When in reality, you can watch a how to cut stairs video on YouTube and learn why you do this, why you do that, how to figure everything, and then take that to the job site. And maybe they show you a different variable that's a little tougher on the job, Mm. but you understand rise over run. You understand how to calc everything out. You're set. You only need to learn variables here and there. You can learn so much on the side like it all, it all depends on drive in my opinion though so
2: you know if, if i can just uh, also one of the things that happens in construction is people often think they're they're that it's that you know certain issues are unique to construction uh, you know what i mean there's a there, it, as an industry there is a little bit of a getting down on itself uh and this is this i don't know if this is one of them but what i would point out is it is just really, really common for people earlier in their careers to be pissed that their boss isn't teaching them more. Yeah. It happens to also be a millennial thing that that there's an expectation of learning yep. and moving forward.
1: Expecting, but that way too and much. that's
2: a yeah, but that's a really. I'd rather it be that than expecting it to be all all handed to you and you don't have yeah. to try very hard. So everyone's got an issue, but my my the point I'm making is it's really common that people are, are annoyed that their boss is not teaching them everything as fast as they want to learn it. The reality is you gotta you gotta bang a lot of wood to understand how wood perform. I'm mean, making an example here, but you gotta do the mundane stuff yeah. a ton because you get intuition from that. You know, mm-hmm. you get experience and you start to have judgment. That unfortunately, it means doing the same stuff over. And I'll tell you what, investment bankers that make a million dollars a year, the first two years they do the same. In, in, it's called internal rate of return. They do that over and over hundreds of thousands of times.
1: It's for a damn and good it, reason though.
2: That's right. Cause then they, then they, they're able to later on in their life, they're able to look at something and, and, and basically have a sense of, of deals. And in your case, you have a sense of what's going to work or how long a thing is going to take or what yeah. might be dangerous and all that.
0: I mean, that's the whole point so you, of the apprenticeship, right? That's right. And Ideally. you are learning
2: just, just because it's not stuff you could write down. You, you are learning, you're, you're mm-hmm. learning, you're just accumulating the experience that gives you judgment.
0: Um, what, one thing that I wanted you to touch on, uh, uh, maybe you know better than I do, but you, you brought up kind of like compressing the time it takes to get into the industry. Are you saying like apprenticeships or learning paths, are those getting cut down to p- move people through the industry faster? I, are you seeing anything I don't there? think
2: yet. No, I don't think yet. I, I think that there's a real concern about um, quality of, of, of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a tough one to, to really compress. It's going to have to happen. The, I don't think the pressure is felt enough that people are going to rethink what it means to be good enough. Uh, and I think there's gonna come from a couple of directions. I think that, that, that some of what gets designed will be potentially simpler. So, so the need for the same level of quality across everything might, might get either reduced or, or just reorganized a little bit. But the, the reality is, you know, we're probably gonna have a bunch of money pumped into the industry. It's, I think it's gonna be more horizontal and civil than, and although they're gonna build a million houses so and we'll see where the bill nets out but the the net net is over the next couple of years it's probably going to be the case that there will be a fair amount of money put into different pockets everything but commercial (laughs) to be honest uh commercial has been so subsidized by low interest rates that they maybe they've had their day so i i think that that um you know there's just going to be a huge demand and and people are going to have to find new ways around it i don't know that it's going to be industry-wide though i think that's going to be up to companies I think companies are going to have to figure out how to make do with what they can. They already are, right? Like they'll have more people on the job because the individual quality isn't what they wanted, so they just have more bodies, which just you know isn't always a solution. Um, I just think that's that's going to be up to companies to to have to have to figure out. And maybe in five years or so there'll be some new normal, or maybe there'll be some new, you know, some new solution. But but I think the only way to deal with it is lots of companies feeling the pressure and innovating their way around it.
0: I want to ask one more thing and I, Matt, I'm sure you'll chime in on this cause we we've talked about uh, you know, the need for the skilled trades to be, I would say, if I'm saying this correctly, less skilled so that they can do more work. Like, is it going to, are we going to see a ton of inno- innovation around products that the skill level isn't as high where people can still perform on the job site?
2: So yeah, 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 we are. And, and I, think, I think that's not the threat people think it is. Um, I think you're gonna, need, you're gonna need skilled people that understand how water flows and how, how wood, wood performs and all this stuff. Um, I do think that, that where that skill gets applied is going to, to, to shift a little bit. And, and by that, I mean, right now you've got trades right, that are working in different kinds of Revit or this or that they're doing things that the designers don't know how to do. You know what I mean? Like the location mm-hmm. of, of building intelligence has absolutely moved towards the field. Not all of it, of course, an architect still knows what how to do what architects do, but the amount of innovation, new ideas, and new new kind of thinking that's coming out of the trades is, is under, I think underappreciated. Um, and I think that you're going to find there's, there's, some people are going to go into factories and be part of the design and the, the sub-assembly um, process. So if you think about how cars are made, like there, it, isn't, it Toyota doesn't make most of the cars, somebody makes sub-assemblies. And I think you're gonna find some of the, the value, some of the things that the trades are good at will go into sub-assembly building instead of necessarily putting work into its final place. Um, and I think there's a couple of things about that. It could mean that, that you don't need to be as broad in your in your, um skill set you know what i mean like you're you're working on a kind of sub-assembly for five years or something and then you move on to something else
1: you understand that very well
2: that's right like you get that now you get that now you get you get people who know how to do water treatment and have no idea how to do a high-rise and so i think you'll just see that more you know you get especially for hard stuff like you know new infrastructure
1: we've talked about this quite a bit and it's more or less we we've Dive, we've dived into this quite a bit um, honed in on a single thing or knowing quite a bit jack of all trades are just killer at one um, I think it has its benefits I really do I think that you're able to get a lot more work done when you know just one specific task um, the thing I don't like about that is that it limits you so much depending on the, the trade you're in or what you do Because in the case that goes away or you're no longer filled in that position, where do you go? Yeah, because I have piecework, for instance, and in the case you don't know that is um, people will break down and build a a new home, for instance, and there is somebody that does just a layout of the house. They go through layout all the plates Then there's somebody that comes in and just bangs the walls. Walls get stood. Then there's somebody that comes and lays out and does the roof. All separate people, all paid separately. Mm hmm. But then you have people that come in and do everything like, like we do. But the people like I'm currently like mentoring a kid right now that just pieced walls forever. He only knows how to do walls. That's all he knows how to do. So we're and going he's over. awesome the- at it. Yeah, he's great at it. He's great at it. But he's at a point right now where he has the opportunity to step up and take on more work, such as the layout or the roofs, so on and so forth. But he doesn't know how. And I, I, that's the part I don't like. I'm having a hard time getting past that. Is I was always taught know as much as possible to where you always stay working, and I get being honed in and just killer at one thing. But diversity, being able to do multiple things, I feel is insanely valuable.
2: It, it, this is this is kind of economics though. Is that that when you're when you're under a a big company, um, you you can specialize. If you want to stay in smaller companies or you want to be an independent contractor, you yeah. got it. So that that's part of the decision. That is, makes sense. And I, I got to be honest. I think one of the reasons that that there are so so many freelancers in this industry is because there's a, there is a bit of a Harley riding, free spiritedness to people that choose to be a craftsman. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you like figuring stuff out. You like the autonomy of being a, a, at some level solving problems on your own. Um, not everybody, but I think that as we're looking to address the the the, the, um, the skills gap, or sorry, the, the the labor gap one one solution will probably be that some percentage of of stuff gets built in a factory like setting with bigger companies and that's where you know narrowness that makes know, and sense. it can be it can be really narrow i mean it, yeah. it can be something it can be something where you're I mean, that's what factory workers often are is, is they really understand the door you know what i mean and they've done a million doors there's it's a little bit more well-done factories are a little bit less robotic than you think than you might think, though, because okay. you're constantly working with groups and you're constantly doing quality circles to figure out how to do it better. But Believe it or not, the Japanese made uh, one of the reasons they got so good at manufacturing is that they made people on the floor have autonomy and have the ability to solve problems instead of it being top-down, which is how, the, believe it or not, the Americans and us in the 50s we're very top-down and the Japanese said, we don't have enough people, we don't have enough money, we got to have everybody everybody solving problems. And that became lean. So now that, the, you know, that was their contribution to, to the world is, is lean.
1: Construction has been notorious for being one of the last industries to embrace new technology uh, because it may disrupt the way people think. Um, they don't like it screwing up their day. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There's a ton of different reasons. But we also see the topic quite often that technology can be a big driver to attract the next generation workforce. For someone younger, how is technology going to make the industry more attractive? And maybe for those in the industry, how should they see themselves benefiting from using it in the coming years?
2: A couple of ways I'd I'd break that up. One of them is um, the job is you're going to imagine, be able to imagine a bigger part of the job. So because you'll be able to see things through the, you know, whatever software you're using for project management, for design and all and. You'll be seeing design in a 3D way that is kind of cooler than 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 a piece, you know, than a, a printout. Um, so I think that it it'll be a it'll be an interesting, much more gamified almost or game like in that you're going to be able to see what you're building as if it were a game scene, and you'll be able to walk around it in VR or some version of of AR. So I, I think that it you're going to be surrounded by technology in a way that that is just not true in almost anywhere else. Um, yeah. You know that's p- part of it. How it's going to help people—that's one way. Is it'll be it'll there'll be some cool t- just cool factor to it. Fun in a sense. Yep, that's right. But the other thing is that 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 you know, and this relates to what people should do. And 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 if there were a thing someone should learn, it's it's data. So so understanding what data is and what and not being panicked that it means I have to do a lot of math because yeah. you don't. That's, that's exactly what the computer does or what the software does. What you do have to do is appreciate that if, if, the, if the software is going to do its thing with data, you have to have apples and apples. So when you're entering data or you're doing whatever, you have to know that the thing is going to add it up and multiply and do, you know do math on it. To do that, you can't have apples, oranges, and pears. So you do have to respect that you're putting things in. There's a reason to put it in the same way each time across groups. And man, that is hard. Getting getting folks to, to put data in the same way is hard. And I think it's for two reasons. One is people didn't know why. The other one is the data entry is so badly designed most of the time. You're forgetting that someone's in the hot sun or they're tired or they got gloves on or, you know, they've got hands the size of sausages or fingers the size. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it, it, a lot of times people, people, their hands get get callused up and all that. So I so I think that that that's getting better. Um, definitely on both ends. People are understanding data because they're seeing the output, they're seeing dashboards, they're seeing reports, whatever. And on the other side is, you know, software is not as bad as it was. For a couple of years, there it was pretty, it's pretty um, tin eared I guess you'd say.
1: Yeah. I, I like the the technology part about making it more attractive because even even myself, I find that being able to pull up like a 3D rendering and, and look at how a project is supposed to be or different details, that that makes it a lot more entertaining. And I, I grew up playing video games. So, the concept of like building something on a game. And then, I mean, we're technically doing the same thing except for with real yeah. wood in person. Um, yeah. It makes it a little bit more involved as well. Being able to flip through things on an iPad yeah. and design things if you need to. Uh, we, we've we used multiple different programs for that to change details and draw things up on an iPad rather than just like sketching it out on a napkin. Um, it's a little bit more involved. And I, I I agree with you that a lot of the younger generation like. My, my three year old can work an iPhone. It's insane. But like you grow up doing that type of thing, you get to do it in construction and build stuff as well. Like that's a win win.
2: That's right. And I, we don't know where they're going to take it. I mean, like the technology keeps moving forward. There's going to be a couple of jumps. It looks like um, Apple may actually be releasing their glasses faster than everyone thought, or at least a okay. version of them. That'll be pretty insane because they work in sunlight. At least the, the thing I saw is mm. just the last couple of days that they're looking to announce something. And it looks like they've made it so it works in sunlight, which no other AR really does. Um, that's cool. And it's glasses, so you can wear it with a hard hat. Unlike, the, you know, the HoloLens until Trimble did what Trimble did. And that's $5,000. So it's not Holy like... Holy you know, smokes. Yeah, that, you that's you gotta,
1: not just anyone's buying it.
2: Now, you got you to really love use some AR. And, and it turns out to be big construction, you know, big GCs will will sometimes invest in it. A couple of them have really kind of leaned into it. Um, but no, so this, this we'll see. I, I, but whether it's, not, whether it's now in the next couple of years or, or a little beyond that, the ability to have data overlaid into the world with you is coming. And it's coming pretty fast. I mean, you can do cool, cool stuff with your phone now, but it means you got to hold your phone up. Yeah. So that's coming quickly. And what that'll mean is, that that all the things we said before that people aren't good at, the computer will be right there. The software will be right there to remind you of, you know what I mean. And and it won't. It can't do the things humans can do. Let's keep keep saying that over. It can't. It doesn't know context. It doesn't know that Breck is really good at this, or Breck had a bad night last night, so he's going to be slower. Or you know, Breck is trying to make trying to impress the boss, so he's really rare. It won't have any context that a human can have what it can do is say, this is the next thing on the schedule, or you've got a meeting in five minutes. So, so wrap up what you're doing. Yeah. You know, simple little things that a human assistant might do that makes a big difference though. It means that the whole job site runs a little smoother. It means that, you know, things get missed a little bit less, Um, you know, inspections get, get run maybe a little bit faster and easier. God help us.
0: Yeah. That's a good point that you bring up here. I think there's a lot of exciting stuff coming for construction technology and just the industry in general. I mean, we have to move forward. We have to make people more productive. We have to support the labor shortage and everything. But uh, I think it's definitely gonna help. Like collaborations there, making people more productive in the field. I mean, it's gonna impact everything. Um, But like you said, not necessarily robots taking over the world yet.
2: Well, let's talk about the robot thing because that comes
1: I, up. I saw a robot installing some drywall, and man, <laughs> <laughs> it looked cool. But so there, prior to this, we talked about this, and you said something about a, a little pebble, and the whole thing's off.
2: So that's what what you see robots able to do now is they're on rails. So the 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 drywall one you're talking about, if it's the one I think it is, it 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 it's a you know it's a robot that rolls left and right. And it, it, can't, it can't go tell you what to do next. It can't, it, if it's not programmed to do it, I mean, it's smart and it's hard. I don't want to understate the technical achievement of doing this. Yeah. But you can have somebody who knows what they're doing, walk into a room, figure out what to do. You know what I mean? Cut, cut things the right way, organize it and get it done. It won't be as perfect as the robot would be. And in a straight wall, it won't be as fast as the robot was. But what happens when the wall curves or when, there's a pipe you didn't think was going to be there or you know all the things that happen in reality there's another one that that does uh, rebar tying and i got to be honest if there's a thing that it'd be nice to have humans never have to do again it's it's rebar tying but you look at the robot it's it's really big and it's on it's on the track so mm-hmm. it's going to work on really really big commercial buildings and some some other areas where you've got a big basically you know mini football field of concrete but it it doesn't work in the you know, other 80% of the time where you've got less to do, or it's a bridge, or it's a this or it's a that. So the thing that to keep in mind about robots is for they've been used in, in manufacturing for you know 50 years. And you know, you rope off an area where the robot is because it 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 has no idea what's going on. It knows that it is gonna pick something up over there, turn it halfway and shove it in over there. So, so it'll do really stupid movements, but it'll execute them perfectly over and over again, tirelessly all night. So for certain things where it's a really controlled, narrow set of, of actions that have to be done over and over again, robots are fine. There's just not that much of that in, in a, on a job site. So until we have robots that are able to, to understand what's going on around them, and we don't have a clue how to do that. there's It's not, again, it's not like more data and we'll figure it out. There, there, there's no architecture to do that, at least, none that I think is, is mature yet. they are gonna get figured out one day, but, but it's a long way away. And there's just so much the human brain can do that we take for granted until we try to get a robot to do it. And we're like, oh my God, I'll give you a funny example. Google had a thing called the arm farm, which is a funny name. And basically they built, I thought like 60 or 100 hundred arm, robotic arms and they were building, they were supposed to pick up an egg and place it down without breaking it. And they were able to kind of, but they did this so they could gather data and try a zillion different things. Just the act of picking something up and moving it and then doing things with it was, it's just, it's really hard to do well. Uh, and whenever you get any kind of nuance, like what if the tool is a little heavier? What if the, you know, what if the blade is a little duller? All the things that we adjust to without thinking, you, you're gonna have an issue with a robot that won't know what to do about. What if the blade breaks, right? what what's, It just stops. It's not gonna go get another blade. You know what I mean? Like they're are
1: essentially, essentially ran on a script. It, it tells it exactly right. what to do. That, that's but not, right. Nothing more. They can't control the the variables and understand if a problem occurs. Is what you're that's saying?
2: Right. That's exactly right. A script is a really good word for it. That's right. Okay. I give you another example. There was a, an AI that beat the world Go champion. Go is this um, Asian chess or Asian checkers? It's I think it's, okay. I've heard of it. Yeah. The black and white. Yeah. Very, very hard and very, it's way harder than chess in terms of simulating and getting a computer to do it. They finally figured it out and it beat the, it beat the world champion, a, a, a Korean gentleman, and then it beat itself. The point is this thing is su- at, literally superhuman at that one thing, but it can't do your taxes. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. can't do anything else. It's superhuman in its little lane. That's how we should think of robots for the foreseeable future. That's how we should think of AI. That's how we should think of some software. It's superhuman in a very narrow tool-based way, but you know what? So is a backhoe. So is a. That's a good point.
1: That's a very that's a human-driven robot.
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, and it's in its own. A backhoe is superhuman in its ability to lift stuff. Yeah. Well, robots are just superhuman in their ability to execute a, a script, like you said. Um, perfectly
1: but, over and over.
2: Yep. But a backhoe doesn't, doesn't dig a ditch. A human digs a ditch with a backhoe. Yeah. And it's going to be the same thing with robots is, is a crew is going to put up a wall or whatever with a robot. Not not now the robot won't replace them. It'll augment them and do do the kind of rote stuff and they have to run around and figure out how to get it done. And the problem solving isn't going to go away. The, the, the kind of rote easy stuff is going to get taken over um, again within any time frame we care about.
0: Hugh, uh, before we wrap up every episode, we end with our fast five. Um, it's five entertaining questions. Um, very five serious questions, questions. Very, very serious questions. But it's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. The first one, if you were to join the trades today, which trade would you pick?
2: Probably mechanical.
0: Solid choice. All right. Second, super serious question. Would you rather fight Mike Tyson or talk to him or excuse me, let me read let me back up. Would you rather fight Mike Tyson or talk like him for the rest of your life?
2: I'd rather talk like him for the rest of my life because getting hit by that guy, I'd be talking like (laughs) him (laughs) anyway. That's
0: good point. I like that answer. All right, we have another fighting question. Number three, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or ten duck-sized horses?
2: Ten duck-sized horses, I think.
1: Thank you, thank yeah. you.
2: Ducks, you ducks are mean, man. A big big a duck, duck would, would be, be bad. Yeah, a, I, a big duck would be bad. I You'd got chase You'd a lose goose limbs for
0: sure. Some big <laughs> right. duck,
2: they are mean. They're
0: like mini raptors. Yes. That's uh, right. <laughs> number four, your one message to the next generation would be: learn data. I love it. Number yeah. five, last one. What does the term bread to build" mean to you?
2: I think there's a lot of people that like like building things that like you working with their hands and like making stuff. There's a whole idea about being a craftsman that I think a lot of people like and I think that's who's attracted to the trades and I think that's who sticks with it is people like who like making making things. Um, And I think that's what when I hear that term. That's what it says to me is people that just naturally like using tools and building stuff.
0: All right, Hugh, thanks so much for joining the Bread to Build podcast. Before we left you off the hook, where can people find and connect with you?
2: So always on LinkedIn. Um, I put some of the podcasts and all this stuff on a website that's just my name, hugheseaton.com. Um, best place to find me.
1: There we go. Awesome. We'll put links in the podcast description.
2: Yeah. Thanks,
0: Constructed futures, your podcast, LinkedIn, yeah, the everything. Book, the whole thing. That's right. So if you're listening to this, go to the show notes, check that out. He's got some good quality stuff. Guys, thanks for listening to the 15th episode of the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like this episode, you like what we're doing, drop an awesome review. If you'd like to follow me on social, you can find me at Hammer or on all platforms at Brett Gillen.
1: If you didn't like the podcast, I highly suggest you leave a review as well because we have a bunch <laughs> of five stars and there's only one so far that isn't a five. Um, that was me. You guys can find me on Hammer at Matt Bangswood Wood and nearly every social outlet as well. We'll see you guys next time on the Bread to Build podcast.